gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Yes, yes, yes. Good people, welcome back to the Truth Description Podcast. This is Dr. Sekou Gathers, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Mr. or pardon me, Dr. Kevin Simon. Is he the first doctor? He's, he's the first medical doctor that's been on the show. We've had some PhDs on here, but first medical doctor. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. Welcome. All the way from Atlanta, up here for a conference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah All yeah. right. So Kevin is a um a psychiatry resident. Um he meaning he's a, a psychiatrist in training. Uh, he graduated from my alma mater, Morgan State University, uh, MSU, Maximum Skills University, as I like to call it, uh, making me feel old. He graduated in 2008. I graduated in 1998. <laughs> so uh, a 10-year difference, but it's yeah. okay. It's okay. Um, I saw him on Instagram, and I, I, I kind of always love to see my, my alumni doing well. He is a uh, went to med school at Southern Illinois University. Southern Illinois University in Southern Illinois. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> He's a resident of Morehouse College psych- psychiatric program. Uh, Morehouse School of Medicine. Morehouse School of Medicine psychiatric program uh, f- uh, focused it, that that they train at Grady Memorial. And I love the uh, saying, Atlanta can't live without Grady. I love that. Um, it just shows you what, a, I guess, an important uh, institution it is there in the city. Um, I had some, why, why did I go to Atlanta? I think I did an SMA conference in Atlanta once and we were running around Grady's uh yeah so it's a, it's yeah. a great it's a it's a very important um place for the residents of that city and when i looked it up on the map i don't see anything too close to grady in terms of other houses some northern northern atlanta hospital yeah, or something a, like that there are some other hospitals some other you know major kind of academic places but mm-hmm. grady is the public hospital for the city for the city yeah. it's the largest hospital in the state of georgia yeah that's yeah. amazing excellent all right well we're going to jump right in no to the truth description so um, for my new listeners, uh, the premise of the show is that <clears throat> all successful people, no matter the industry, have had to deal with certain truths. And it was accepting those truths, going through the process of that acceptance that allowed them to break through, move past and go on to greater things in life. So, Dr. Simon, mm-hmm. do you want to choose a personal or professional? What do you want to do first? We can start professional. OK, do, do the professional. Most people do. <laughs> We've got to do a little warm-up before you get right, to the personal. Right, right, So in your professional life, talk to us about a truth that you maybe were ignoring, and then once you were able to accept it, it helped you to move forward. Yeah, so I think one of the truths that I've accepted is mm-hmm. that I'm actually good at what I do. Okay. Um, so, you know, oftentimes it's looking like you and I or... People can't see what we look like, but they can hear what we look like. (laughs) (laughs) They can't see what we look like, but they hear what we look like. Right, right, right. Yes. You know, so. um, Physicians of color. Yeah. Being a physician of color, African-American male, um, oftentimes. If you want a videotape, you can come closer, get a better (laughs) shot. Sit in that chair. That's what my producer was earlier, my other guest. Sit down, then you can shoot, and then you can send it to Genie. We'll have some stuff to put online. Continue. Continue, Dr. Simon. Yeah. So, you know, being a a physician of color, African-American male. 
um, so prior to that, obviously, I was just an African-American male. Right. We get told um, subconsciously or overtly that we're not good enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so even in high school, college, um, there were some of those things that maybe I probably believed. Okay. And so kind of doubted myself. But then, you know, actually at Morgan State University. Where, MSU? Yeah. So, you know. HBCU, yeah. um, the culture, the advisors that I had actually kind of like started that you're actually good mm. enough. You can do, yeah. um, what you, what it is that you want to be. And so it, it was there that I got the seed of like, okay, I'm actually capable. Mm. Um, and then <clears throat> going to med school. Um, so I went to a kind of predominantly white institution, okay. uh, in Springfield, Illinois, uh, you know, encountered, some instances of um, racism overtly and uh, overtly and covertly and covertly, yeah. And so that's kind of why I chose actually Morehouse School of Medicine in Atlanta. Interesting, because um, the department there is full of faculty that um, are diverse, and it really was the last three and a half years getting some true mentorship that okay. allowed me to recognize that I'm actually again good at what I do, right. capable, more than capable. Um, and so it, the last few years have been uh, pretty amazing in terms of the opportunities that I've been able to kind of be awarded. Okay. Now, in your med school class, Southern Illinois, how many uh, how many folks were there in, in, in the class in general? Yeah, so the class is, I think my class is about maybe 72 to 75 people. 75. How many black? Um, eight. Okay. Eight, yeah. We had, so I went to, I went to GW. Okay. Graduated in 2002. And uh, I had a class, a big class, 151. Okay. And there were 17 African-American women and one male. <laughs> that yeah. would be yours truly. So Got it. Yeah, so, it, yeah, in my class, in terms of males, myself. Oh, then congratulations. Are you, are you with child? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations, brother. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got three myself. All right, go ahead. Um, so, yeah, there was myself, uh, best man of my wedding, Josiah. Okay. Um, another classmate, Chris, mm-hmm. our roommate, Desiree. And if I'm forgetting somebody, I'm I'm sorry That's that I'm right. forgetting them. But, That's yeah, right. so about four of us, four or five of us. Okay. So percentages are similar. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah very much so. Interesting. All right. So the you you the truth you came to in your professional life was that uh you actually are good at what you do. Mm-hmm. Um which is psychiatry. Um which is, you know, you dissect, do mental dissection. Communicate with folks <laughs> and help help them through their most stressful situations. Excellent. All right. Cool. Let's jump into the personal. Personal truth. Personal. Now your wife is here. You wanted to step outside? <laughs> She's going to hear it later anyway, so it's up to you. <laughs> per- no, no, no. Uh, personal truth. Maybe she should step outside. No. Um, no, you know, pers- no, personal truth is yeah. that, um, and, and fortunately she is here, that fam- family is actually most important. Um, okay. Because, you know, oftentimes in successful careers, folks can have things out of priority. Mm-hmm. And so they might put work first um, or earnings first. Mm-hmm. And so really, I, I've come to realize that actually if you put family first, mm-hmm. that needs to be centered. 
that needs to be focused. And mm-hmm. then actually all the other things kind of come into play. Did you grow up in a, in a family where those things weren't, um, weren't front and center? The reason I asked you that is mm-hmm. because since it was a revelation, I'm imagining that your experience up to that point had been different. No. So, so I actually have like what you consider like the classical American idea of a family. Okay. Uh, two parents, um, my dad, um, first African American deacon in uh, the state of New York. Nice. Yeah. Nice. De- deacon Moclair Simo. Okay. Um, Shout outs. Yeah. My mom, both married. Uh, they're married still. So if I am 32, they've been married for 45 ish years. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, two older sisters, um, one who works at. Um, one of the hospitals here in the city mm-hmm. and then the other at uh, another healthcare facility in Georgia. Okay. Um, and so actually we, we, I had a ideal situation of seeing what a u- u- united family looks like. Okay. Um, in a cohesive unit. So the realization just occurred because I mean, for myself, I had never been married. Right. Um, and so okay. we've been saying. married now three years. Um, okay. and so, yeah, just that, that transition of dating, getting married, starting internship, yeah. all that. It was like, what needs to be the focus? And so at mm. one point in time, I was like, oh, you know, like work. Yeah. But yeah. No, tr- it's important. So, yeah. So that, that would be why it's like family, then work. And truthfully, even before family, it's actually God. Um, would right. Be, would be the yes, focus. Yes. You need but, that, yeah. that foundation to stabilize you before right. you can do anything else. Right. That is correct. Okay. Family first. Hashtag family first. I like that. <laughs> um, okay. Well, this that's actually a perfect segue into my first question. Um, I, I did notice in, in in your IG, you know, a plethora of um, pictures of your wife and uh-huh. com- commentary on your wife, which is which is great. Uh-huh. Um, and you say there was a quote in there somewhere, and I said oh, I'm going to ask about this. You said so. I want you to talk about uh, what an accountability partner is. What it means and and why it's important in relationships, right? right? I remember the thing. Now you were you wanted to be lazy and lay on the couch, and she uh, came in and she was <laughs> like, "How about the gym?" And you were like, "Ah, okay." And then you went and you were happy. You're right. And then you said you needed. It's important to have an accountability partner. It's so true. just it's talk true. about what that means to you and why it's important. Yeah. So you know, oftentimes you have your own goals. Yeah. And you know, people will say like, oh, you know, they have the um, what's the the Muriel that folks make, put a lot of pictures on it. Oh, you're talking about the vision board. Vision board, right. right. <laughs> people people create vision boards. Yeah. And it's great to do that. Don't get me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I had my own version of a vision board. Sure. Um, but you often need to tell somebody about what it is the goal that you have. And that person needs to want to believe in you. Because mm. oftentimes you'll, you'll need people to believe in you more initially than yeah. you believe in yourself. Okay. They're, they're, they're feeding you that confidence. Sure, sure. And so within a relationship... Oftentimes, there's my wife who mm. might say, you know, do you want to lay down or do you want to go to the gym? Because you've told you've told me ahead of time, Kevin, that, right. you know, you want to go to the gym three right. times out of the week. Interesting. Right. So right. if she wasn't like my external brain yeah. reminding me of those things, then I would have been lazy and sat on the couch watching Netflix. What's your favorite blanket? I right. like that. <laughs> <laughs> Grab my favorite blanket and lay down. I was like, yeah. So, you okay. know, yeah, I mean, we, we, we all have that. So, okay. um, yeah, having accountability and it, it works, it works both ways. There's times where, you know, she, 
um, has a goal that she wants to accomplish. And mm-hmm. it's like, hey, we can do this. Yeah. And so it's not just you're doing it by yourself, but we're actually a cohesive unit. Even though it's, it's your thing, I'm yeah. like fully supporting you. And then she fully supports me. Got it. Yeah. That's dope. It's important. Three years in. Keep it up. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing that you 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 scoured the. Oh, listen! I got to do my research, bro. <laughs> this is what this is all about. <laughs> I got to know you, figure out you know how to approach and Very what to true. ask, and Very you know true. it's important. You know, taking my uh, my history. You know, what I mean, I can't do a physical, but I got to right, take my history right, right, you know, right, ahead right. of time. No, good stuff. All right. <laughs> um, I saw that you gave a talk on um. Uh, digital mental health innovations. And I thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, and we'll get to it a little bit mm-hmm. later, but mental health is not something that our community fully embraces. Um, there's a lot of stigma, you know, there's a lot of stigma, uh, stigma on, I think health in general, right. Um, i.e. Tuskegee, but I digress coming back to it. Um, I think particularly mental health, there's a, you know, there's a sort of a negative connotation. Right. So, uh, talk a little bit about the the digital mental health innovations. I think that's kind of cool. Bring, yeah, bridging technology and mental health. So you know, the, I would um, presume within emergency medicine, I believe that's your specialty. Yep. Uh, there's been an infusion of like tele mental health or yes. tele- telehealth. Correct. Yep. Right. And so there's tele yep, there's lot. telepsychiatry. Okay. Um, but but with regards to digital mental health, digital mental health specifically to minority populations, there has to be better ways for folks you know, even listening to podcasts yeah. to get information to demystify all of these stigmas sure. and, and myths that exist. Yeah. Uh, so for minority populations, that includes things like podcasts, mm. ah, things like cool. men- mental health apps that they can go and download on their own. Don't have to let nobody know that they're downloading because ah. on their private phone. Got it. But they can still get the information that that's required so that they can seek the right type of professional help. Okay. Um, another interesting, uh, kind of innovative process is that Morehouse School of Medicine, in, in addition to having telehealth reach out to primary providers in rural areas, we know that a lot of folks that, that are African American, Latino, would like to get their health or maybe care or counseling from the church. Mm. Right. And so. Interesting. A unique way mm. to reach out to that is using the digital platform to reach out to congregations and church leaders yeah. and provide them with the appropriate information and you know knowledge base of here's what you need to know about depression. Here's what you need to know about anxiety because sure. your your congregants are going to have these issues and going to come to you for it. Yeah. So we so we've created a system where we talk to churches as the gateway to providing. African American communities information about mental health. Interesting. So when the pastor comes, when I go to my pastor and I'm like, Pastor, I'm having this, you know, anxiety about such and such, mm-hmm. instead of opening up to uh, you know, Job or whatever whatever passage, right, right. he might say, Let's call Dr. Kevin or here's some information on how to get to right. you know, Grady, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I like that. You know, you go you're meeting people where they are. Exactly. Which is, you know, so so critical. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, uh, folks listen to the podcast or listen to the radio. There's far more people who listen to the radio and podcast than yeah. there are that reach me at my clinic. Yeah. And yeah. so in order for me to, to, to inform folks appropriately, yeah. I need to be in these spheres and in these spaces where, you know, usually at least mental health is not in them. Got it. And so that's 
the digital mental Got health. It. Sounds like uh, sounds like Kevin's getting ready to do a podcast. It sounds like to me. <laughs> this may be the, the start of uh, many things to come in the future. Potentially. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Um, hmm, which question I'm going to ask you? So check this out. You know, when I found out you were a psychiatrist and married, I thought it was really interesting because um, a friend of mine is uh, married to a psychiatrist. They're going through a divorce, right? Okay. One of the things he would always say to me, which was kind of funny, but not funny, was I don't know why she can't just like go in the mirror and just like self-talk to herself and understand (laughs) her problems, right? Right, right, right. And so my question to you is, you know, just talk a little bit about the importance, you know, of, you know, you're a psychiatrist, you're in a relationship. Um, Do you use any of the sort of self-diagnostic skills on yourself or or on your, you know, on your spouse? Or how do you guys, you know, go through conflict conflict resolution? Right. So, so interesting enough, there would be times where we might have a conversation and Brittany would suggest like, you know, don't try to do that, Kevin. Don't try to (laughs) talk to me that way. Don't don't try to psych me out. Right, right, right. (laughs) And so actually the same way that, um, you know, Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or let's say LeBron James. Mm-hmm. LeBron James looks like a fantastic athlete, right? Yep. However, he has a trainer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so they're professionals who also seek out professional help. Got it. And like so, that. you know, um, Jay-Z and Beyonce, yeah. they are the pinnacle of a rap mogul. Mm-hmm. Um, R&B they, superstar. R&B superstar. Right. But nonetheless... In challenging times, they sought professional help. And so okay. with regards to like conflict resolution, yeah. I've been open about, yeah, we've actually talked to a therapist because mm. useful and it's not something that's stigmatized. Like right. they actually can provide you with help um, because, yeah, it, it would be kind of inappropriate to try to, you know, me <laughs> do my psychiatric work on my wife or right. vice versa. Or vice right? Versa, right. 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 She's um, a, you're a hospitalist, right? She's a hospitalist. Right. So. But yeah, interesting. Right, just the same way. So you know, she's a hospitalist. Yeah. Even though she probably could stitch me up, right. I would want someone else. <laughs> I would want someone else that's equally qualified yeah. to do that to well, do that job. God forbid, if you needed to be intubated, I I, I don't know if you'd want her to do it. Yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 no disrespect. <laughs> but uh, that's a great answer. My my wife. I'm not a, obviously not a psychiatrist. Um, but my wife, uh, she will respond with, don't try to mind F me. <laughs> That's what she says. No, but so. you, but, you know, but it oftentimes, like, huh? What are you talking about? Oftentimes that does happen. But, yeah. you know, just, just, you know, since I'm here, yeah. simple tips. Yeah. Tell me about conflict resolution. Yeah, One, you got to, you got to validate the person's concern, yeah. right? Whatever it is. So, yep. um, you didn't wash the dishes. You didn't take out the trash. Mm-hmm. You got to own it and say, you know, yes. I'm sorry that I didn't do that. Right. And, and you're actually right about that. Oftentimes, right. the first thing that we do is become defensive. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And once you become defensive, you're walking away. You're not hearing anything. Yeah, that's true. But once you acknowledge that you're actually in the wrong and you validate that person, yeah. you can continue that process of having a conversation, getting to a resolution and being a happy, you know, couple. Right. And the resolution may not happen that day. Right. You know, it may not. It may not. Ha- it may happen in a couple, couple days, but you at least you're on the right path. Right. You're right. Right. Um, yeah. That took me. I mean, I'm 41. It took me it took me a long time to, to realize sometimes you just got to, you know, stop mm-hmm. being so defensive. Listen. And right. just, you know. Right. T- and, t- and, t- take a second. And, you know, 
generally, I'm generalizing here, yeah. men and women communicate a little bit differently. And so oh, I don't think that's a generalization at all. Right. I think that's a fact. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very specific. Right. So, you know, there are times where um, your partner is communicating with you and the reason they're communicating is for you to listen because mm-hmm. they just want someone to vent to. Yeah. Oftentimes as a male, we want to provide an answer. Yeah, solution based. Yes. Right. So Which right. is and they're and they're like, wait, I'm not coming to you for a solution. I'm coming yeah. to you because I want you to hear me. Yeah. And so yeah, that's something else that I've learned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's true. That's uh, that's out of um, John Gray's book, um, Men are from All Women from Women from Venus. He talks about that a lot. I read that uh, about three times. <laughs> It's a good book, but sometimes you need a refresher. Right, right. Um, all right, cool. Uh, what else? What else we got here? Last question I'm going to ask you. Um, you posted that, uh, and I actually like this, on January 1, you said, today is uh, is is a blank page of a 365-page book, right? Mm-hmm. So what have you written so far? <laughs> we're, we're, we're six months in. We are six months in. So, so five months in. Um, yeah, yeah, it's me. So, it, so far, um, again, currently at this American Psychiatric Association annual conference, and mm-hmm. I'm giving, um, five, well, thus far, given three talks, mm-hmm. have one talk to give tomorrow. Okay. Um, so there's preparation with regards to that. Um, and is, it, is this what, is this part of your, was your part of your plan in the beginning of the year? You wanted to do more talks? Right, know. right, right. So, yeah, so the, the plan was to be, um, you know, bolster my my academic credentials Good. prepare for talks uh, contribute yeah. to like book chapters okay um and so i've been able to do that in terms of like later in the year so again as you mentioned my wife is pregnant so that's yeah. like that's a huge thing right so it is. currently and neither one of you have any other children no no so right. yeah Excellent. so you know i'm reading up on uh being a, a dad yeah and so uh, i think there's what to expect when expecting for dads i think they that book is out yeah so, so yeah i'm reading I'm, I'm reading the expectant father oh cool okay yeah and i'm cool. and i'm just reading month by month so you okay. know we're in the four fifth month i'm on the four fifth chapter all right um Excellent. and then later in the year so i was uh accepted to be a child and adolescent psychiatry fellow at boston children's hospital congratulations um, so we'll be moving to the Boston area, um, be All Harvard right. affiliated. Um, so add that to the CV at some point in time. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah. That's you want to focus on kids, clearly. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, we miss a lot of opportunities to intervene, particularly African-American young men. So I'd like to be there to kind of change the trajectory. Yeah, that is that is where they need we need to get. Yeah, it's true. Um, I'm going to ask you this. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I I didn't prepare this question, but just based on mm-hmm. what you just said, it's so interesting. I mean, you will be a, a child and adolescent psychiatrist, right? Mm-hmm. Proverbially, they say it takes a village, right? right? So you will be part of that village. right? Um, do you think it's more parental, you know, parental, lack of parental influence? And, and in our case, a lot of times, lack of the, the paternal, uh, right. the paternal, the fatherly uh, influence, do you think it's the system? Um, how much of a, a difference do you think you can make? So, <clears throat> great question. Um, and great questions always come with like complicated answers. <laughs> and so, it, it's it's not a it's not a black and white thing. It's kind of gray. So it's all of those, right? So, yeah. there is a cohort of, of of children who don't come from two family households. Right. 
Um, but even within the black community, those that come from two family households, it's been shown that African American children still go to the bottom quartile for like socioeconomic status. Even when you got two, you know, middle class parents mm. doing the right thing. And so that must indicate that outside of parental, there's some like, you know, social environmental issues. And so, um, can I make a change in each kid? Probably not. But can I make a change to a system and how we identify? So, for instance, uh, I'm sure you're an ER doc. If there's an 18-year-old kid who comes in and he's aggravated, mm-hmm. there's a certain set of diagnoses that some of our providers would tack on because he's 18 and he looks African-American. Versus when I see that child, I might think about, well, what's happening at home? Right. Why so are they aggravated? Yeah. Right. And not yeah. just label them as schizophrenic, schizophrenic, bipolar. exactly, yeah. which were unfortunately diagnosed with too often because African-Americans tend to come into the healthcare system through the ED hmm. during stressful events. Okay. And it's kind of not the best time to make a diagnosis <laughs> for a mental health issue. Hey, hey, hey. No, you're right. So, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. so from that standpoint, I can be a di- diversion um, from the criminal justice system. Yes. Um, so, so there are ways that I can be of an impact. Yeah, that's very important. Right. We need more divergence from the criminal justice system, right. that's for sure. Right. So that's the goal. Okay. All right, cool. Listen, let's jump into yes or BS. Okay. All right. Number one, medical therapy is more efficacious than talk therapy. BS. <laughs> Tell me why. So it depends on the condition that we're talking about, right? So if we're talking about depression, there's been studies that show antidepressants like um, SSRIs or mm-hmm. Prozac, mm-hmm. Zoloft, Celexa mm-hmm. are good. Also, individual therapy is good, but actually the combination of the two is best. Is best. Okay. So yeah, so that, that would be BS, that medical only. <laughs> okay. Number two, mental health professionals should be mandated to do therapy before treating patients. Therapy on themselves? Correct. Yes. Are they? It's recommended. Okay. It's not a requirement, though. Okay. So, for instance, for myself, because um, if you're a psychiatrist and you're in, in residency, you're going to have a panel of patients that you do individual therapy with. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get supervision. But it's also recommended that you yourself have individual therapy. So you kind of understand the process while in it mm-hmm. while you're also, you know, being a provider. Yeah, I think it's very necessary. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. How are you going to help somebody if you don't really even know yourself that well? Correct. And, and anyway, exactly. All right, number four. Oh, your wife's going to love this one. Okay. Women have more emotional intelligence than men. <laughs> yes. Was that difficult for you to say? It was. <laughs> It was hilarious, but you know what? But you know what? It it is true because if you, we discredit how much women do, mm-hmm. right? And so, for instance, um, if you're a working mom and you have three kids, mm-hmm. you're a working mom. You're working mm-hmm. and you're a mom, yeah. and so you actually are multitasking all the time. Because mm-hmm. for as much as a uh, uh, father thinks that he is multitasking, the <laughs> wife is <laughs> the wife is multitasking work, 
keeping you know the home like sane yeah keeping the kids happy yeah you know and so women do juggle emotionally a lot of things yeah um you know so yeah i i would have to defer that they are more emotionally intelligent good choice all right anyway i know you come from good stock i saw your father in his 15 degrees so <laughs> uh, i was like i've never seen nobody with two master's degree that's not actually that's not true my dad's getting his um phd uh on saturday awesome and he's got two awesome. master's degrees congratulations thank you so congratulations to him he did the work right uh number five the genesis of violence is psychiatric that's bs okay yeah so the genesis of violence is multifactorial um and so, you know, in the literature now, uh, or just in common lay, is social determinants of health, right? And so talking about food, access, mm. housing. Um, and so if you, if a system is created that will cause stress, so for instance, if, if you're homeless mm-hmm. and you're, you know, what I want to say, if you're homeless and now you're exposed to the elements, right? So it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to have to figure out, well, how am I going to stay warm? Right. And that warmth might be, I got to do a couple of hours in the local Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. And so you're, you're, you're being yourself. You're just sitting in the corner and then somebody, or map it, you want to go to Starbucks and you're just in the corner <laughs> and you're just minding well, your business. Starbucks. And you're just minding your business because, because right. it's warm inside. Right. And then someone says, well, no, you got to leave. Yeah. He said, well, I'm not doing anything. Right. I'm just trying to stay out from the cold. Exactly. All of a sudden, uh, instigation starts. Yeah. So that's housing, right? And I'm just randomly using it sure. as an example. Yeah. If you do food, well, someone's going to figure out how is it that I can get something to eat because I'm hungry. Yeah. Right. And so if it's access, right, there's plenty of people that I'm sure um, come to the house with that you're at that may not necessarily have insurance. But yeah. but they have a wound that they need care for, and yeah. they might get aggravated with someone who's doing their job by saying, "Well, ma'am, unfortunately, it looks like you don't have insurance, so you need to find your way to the public hospital that might be miles away." Well, so, so, in in the e, I mean, I understand your example. In right. the ER, we have Intala. We have to right. see. Right, you have to see. You have to see. People. But to your point, there are people that come there that don't really have a real medical issue other than hunger. Right. <laughs> you know, doc. Right. I, you know, my knee's been hurting for three years. Okay. Uh, can I have a tray? <laughs> right. <laughs> what? Right. It's three in the morning. I'm like, what? Right. So to, so to your point, yes. oftentimes it is you know things that are external to the person that creates um, elements of stress, mm-hmm. anxiety, tension that can cause someone if you know pressure too much yeah. to go into an episode where they might actually then become psychotic mm-hmm. um, or violent or violent. Yeah. yeah. So. I would say that it's it's more environmental. It's more environmental. Yeah. Okay. And number six. Don't be upset by this one. Mm-hmm. Psychiatry is the easiest rotation in med school. <laughs> <laughs> it was for me. Anyway. Set that one up. Okay. <laughs> so that's BS. Okay. Tell me why. Yeah. So maybe it was easy for me because I wasn't interested in psychiatry. Right. Right. So 
when you're on the rotation, so for the audience, yes, explain what a rotation right. is because they may not. So for the audience that 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 you know didn't go to med school, um, your third year you go through your quote unquote core rotation. So you got family medicine, internal medicine, OB/GYN, pediatrics, psychiatry, um, general surgery. That tends to be the rotation that you go through. Mm-hmm. And folks might consider psychiatry to be generally easy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. because the hours may be short because you're in a clinic. Right. And so, unfortunately, in other specialties, as a student, you actually get to do a lot. Yeah. Right. So, in the ER, you're saying, hey, like, if someone's coding, can I be in the room? And there's things happening, yeah. even though you as a student aren't actually doing anything a lot. Yeah. during the code, right? Sure. Um, if you're on medicine, well, how many EKGs can I read in these <laughs> X number of weeks, right? Yeah. For psychiatry, if you don't actually have the proper training, it would be completely inappropriate for me to leave a student in a room with a patient and say, go interview that patient. Mm. You actually have to learn those skills during residency. Yeah. And so oftentimes what you do is you you're, you're you are very much shadowing during that rotation. Yes. And if you're just like any rotation, if you're with the wrong resident, <laughs> you may get the wrong implications of what the field can offer, mm-hmm. right? And so re- students that, that rotate with me, I oftentimes talk to them about social determinants of health, how psychiatry melds itself into other specialties, right? So if you're interested in emergency medicine, I can guarantee you that you're still going to see a psychiatric patient. Oh, if yeah. you are interested in OB-GYN, yes, you want to deliver babies, but I can guarantee you that there are going to be women who are abused mm. that go and see you as OB-GYN. If yeah. you're internal medicine, I can guarantee you that there are going to be patients that I have on antipsychotics that cause dyslipidemia, and you're going to need to treat that. And yeah. so for whatever reason, there are rotations, including psychiatry, where students don't get exposed to all of the dynamics that psychiatry gets to offer. Yeah. And they just kind of see it as like, oh, we don't touch patients. We're not really doing medicine. But the reality is actually if you're with the right resident mm-hmm. in the right program, you'll recognize that actually psychiatry is pretty dynamic in terms of the field. Okay. Well said by a psychiatry resident mm-hmm. uh, slash uh, fellow, pending fellow. Right. All right. Um, well, Kevin, that's all I got. Oh. Um, actually, you know what? No, I got one more. Okay. Uh, one more yes or BS. Number seven. Police should be mandated to do psychotherapy prior to firearm use. Yes, with a caveat. Okay, what's the caveat? So you say psychotherapy training? Uh, just not really training. Just you know, have it you, themselves. You, you, you go through the in my in my understanding in my world. Yeah, you go through the academy right uh-huh. before you get a gun where right. you can shoot somebody. Right, you you they sh- maybe should be mandated to have a certain amount of yeah. psych- psychiatric or psychotherapy to um, authorize them to be able to use this firearm. Okay, so because I saw and the reason I say this, mm-hmm. I saw a video of a a, a police shooting mm-hmm. and um this guy the the police officer was on his cam he was giving the suspect several different instructions mm-hmm. he basically told him two things that uh, contradicted each other right. the guy put his hand back by mistake he shot and killed him mm. on the guy's gun it said something like you know uh 
some something derogatory like or, or he wrote something derogatory on his gun that he carried around okay and i was like this guy's not doesn't seem like he's mentally stable Fit, right. you know to be carrying a gun that he's got it was something like um this will kill you or right you know right bad motherfucker something right. like that right. was on on, right. on his gun he, he he seemed to you know externalize maybe his ego on the gun there right. you go yes and so yes one of so when i say the caveat is in academy training and so i can i can speak specifically to uh to the ADP, so Atlanta, Atlanta. Police Department, because okay. um, we, we have an opportunity to do what we call CIT training, crisis intervention training, okay. where we, we give cadets and, and officers um, information and training with regards to how to approach patients that have behavioral health issues. Okay. Now, Atlanta is actually pretty lucky in that they get more hours than any other police department around the country. Interesting. And so Interesting. on the average, I believe, and you know, hopefully... Someone doesn't write you in like, no, he's completely wrong. <laughs> so I'm, I am guesstimating right now, but it's about eight hours is, is the standard. Atlanta has more than, more than 20 hours of okay. behavioral health training. So all academies should have behavioral health training and crisis intervention training. So that way they're aware of how to just interact just generally. Yeah. Uh, cause there should be things like verbal deescalation. <laughs> um, but in reference to each cop having psychotherapy, you might be suggesting that each cop have like a, you know, psychiatric examination. Yes. Um, and psychometrics, what we would call them. And some departments actually think they do go through like a quote unquote like personality test. Okay. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, oftentimes, you know, to, to, to give officers credit, most police departments are like under-resourced. Most police departments are undermanned. And mm-hmm. so generally there's a stress on the police force also. Um, but to okay. your, but to your point, yeah, they should have behavioral health training. Okay. Yeah. I, I think so. It does, it, it doesn't happen. At least it doesn't happen in New York city. So, okay. Kevin Simon. Say cool. This is great. It's a, it's a pleasure. Have Morgan, more fellow Morgan alum 10 years after the fact. <laughs> it's good to see you, man. Yeah, out there man. doing, doing your thing. Trying. Um, raising, raising the family. It's great. Yeah, thank you. I haven't been to a homecoming in a while. Time to go back. Neither have I. <laughs> the campus has changed. It has. Yeah. I went like maybe three years ago, two years ago. Just um, I was going to D.C. for something, okay. and I just stopped. Stopped by fifteen hundred East Coast Spring Lane. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Bought some 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 mugs, some t-shirts. Okay. You know, got my my wife, you know, hoodie. Right. Right. And uh, kept it moving. Nah, good times at Morgan. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, gateway to opportunity, stay with excellence. Exactly. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I wouldn't change anything. Neither would I. All right. With that, I'm going to sign off. As I always say, the truth will set you free if you let it.